Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, most of you already know that, but I wanted to introduce myself to you. I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Uh, we are beginning a brand new message series this week called Live Out Loud. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be following through what God has uh, is teaching us through Scripture about how we should be living our faith. I want to ask you a question before we get started this morning. Have you ever heard the phrase, there are two things you should never talk about at a party, and that would be religion and politics? How many of you have ever heard of that? Okay, so most of you. I started thinking about that question this week as I was preparing this message, and I thought, I remember growing up and hearing people say that, and I always found it was weird. I thought it was awkward that I felt like, why can't I talk about these things? And I know that in our society, because those are hot-button issues, when you talk about politics, you talk about faith, oftentimes you can get into arguments and people can get upset over them. But I think one of the things, particularly an area in our lives that maybe particularly in our culture that is difficult for us is when we talk about our faith, not that we're worried about getting into an argument, but the idea of living our faith publicly or living our our faith out loud, I think oftentimes makes us feel like um, it's a private thing, like I shouldn't talk about it. And that was, that, that's an American concept or a Western concept. And so as I was thinking about this message and preparing for this series, I thought about that question that people would ask where they would say that you shouldn't ever talk about faith because it's a private thing. But I think as I read scripture, as I read the Bible and I look all throughout scripture, in fact, Our faith was never meant to be lived privately. It was never meant to be a secret. But I think if we're honest, most of of us would say that when we think about sharing our faith, there's probably a sense of unease that comes, maybe an an uncomfortableness that comes inside of us. I mean, I'll I'll be honest and say that if if you were to tell me, Jared, I want you to, to go out onto the street and meet someone and tell them about Jesus, my first reaction is that there's just something that kind of clams up inside of me. In fact, I'm going on a missions trip this October. Uh, we're going to, uh, to India and uh, to South Asia. And really, 99% of the people there have never even heard the name of Jesus in the areas that we're going to. And I know, I'm well aware, that this trip is going to be a big stretch for me in my faith because even though I'm a pastor, you'd be like, really? You're a pastor of a church and, and you, you, you're, you struggle with the idea of sharing your faith, not in the context of relationships, but the idea of me just kind of being bold and public in my faith in some form or fashion is something that makes me feel unease. And I would venture to say that most of us in the room probably feel the same way. But where did this come from? The Christian faith was not meant to be lived privately. It was not meant to be behind doors. In fact, it was actually meant to be action-oriented. It was never designed to be like a, a system of rules or regulations. It was never meant to be about knowledge in our brains. It was really supposed to be a vibrant pursuit of a relationship with, with our creator, with the one who, who made us, who knows us. And so in Western society, in Europe and, and in America, religion, particularly the Christian religion, has become more about knowledge. It's become more about knowing things about God more than it has been about knowing God and having a relationship with him. In fact, Jesus, his last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven was action-oriented. It was very public, and it was an intentional and outward focus of instruction to do what? To go and to make 
disciples. Those are two verbs, go and make, go and make. It wasn't sit back. It wasn't chill out. It wasn't listen. It wasn't be quiet. It was to go and make. So for us, and I realize this is going to be a challenge for many of us, this idea of our faith is to know Jesus, is to have a vibrant relationship with him, and to allow that to transform us so that we go out and share what we have with other people. In fact, in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus actually said this. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, what's the context of that particular verse? This is right after Jesus was crucified. So Jesus dies on a cross. His disciples who have been following him every day, day and night for months, they're following him, they're learning from him, they're sitting under him, they're believing that he is the one who's going to change everything. He's going to save them. And then Jesus is crucified. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that they were afraid that the leaders were going to come and kill them. So they're hiding in a room. And what the Bible tells us is that after Jesus was, rose from the grave, the Bible says that they were hiding in a room and that Jesus actually walks through the wall. So it says they were behind locked doors. And Jesus walks through the wall and appears to them and says, peace be with you. In other words, chill out. Like, guys, calm down. I mean, imagine what that would be like to see this man that you saw dead now walk through a wall and appear to you and say, peace. And then the first thing he says to them is, just as my father has sent me, I am now sending you. So the first thing the disciples do after Jesus is crucified was hide. But the first thing that Jesus told his disciples to do was to go. Our entire faith is based around the concept of living on mission with Jesus. It is the gospel message. The entire concept of the gospel, the word gospel means good news. So we are, we are called to partner with bringing this good news to people, to live out loud. And so the next few weeks we're going to be exploring what does it mean in our faith to live our faith out loud so that we can be partners with Jesus to bring this mission to the world. So I would say, I would ask this question, where do we start? Where can we possibly begin with this idea? Like you'd say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I love coming to church and I love hearing about the good news. I love trying to experience the presence of God and apply scripture to my life. And I've seen God do good things in my life. I've seen him answer prayers in my life. I have seen my life is different. I look back in the path that I've walked over the last several months or years that I've been with Encounter or other churches. I have definitely seen God do things in my life and change me. I'm a different person and it's good. But how do I begin living my faith outwardly? What does that mean? What does that even look like? Well, today I want to talk to you about Jesus and really how it's all about Jesus. If you have a Bible with you, would you pull it out and open it up to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 9. Uh, if you have a tablet or a smartphone, the Bible app, go ahead and open that up. It's also going to be on the screen here if you're taking notes today. Luke chapter 9, we're going to be in verses 57 to 62, and I want to read that. And what we're going to see today is what would Jesus say? What's he saying to us? What is he calling us to? How can we live our lives out loud? How can we live as if it was all about Jesus? Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it begins here. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. So this man is, is coming to Jesus and he, he says to him, hey, I see your disciples and I love what you're doing. I'm going to come with you and I'm going to go anywhere you go. And what does Jesus say to him in verse 58? He says, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Interesting. 
So they keep walking, and then another person, Jesus now points to him and says, hey, you, come and follow me. And the man agreed because, again, I mean, you, you see this, this celebrity of a man who does incredible miracles. You want to follow him. The man agreed, but he said, but Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. I mean, that sounds like a reasonable request. My dad just died. I need to go bury him. I'll, I'll meet you in the next town. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Wow. But then another one said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Whoa, what is going on here? Like, who is this Jesus? Who is this guy that I'm hearing here? This is not the Jesus that I'm used to. I, when I think of Jesus in my brain, and some of it might be just images that I've seen growing up, I think of Jesus frolic on the hills with sheep. I, I think of Jesus sitting down with a bunch of kids on his lap, and he's playing like Connect Four or something. Like, I don't think of Jesus as being a guy who seems to be pretty harsh. Like, right here in this passage of Scripture, a guy's like, I want to follow you, Jesus, but let me go bury my dead father. Let me go say goodbye to my family. Let me go take care of my responsibilities. And Jesus is like, no. And what it appears here is that Jesus is like demanding blind allegiance. Maybe you're reading this passage. This is new to you. Maybe it's the first time you've ever read this passage. You're like, I don't understand. I'm confused. It seems like Jesus is, is demanding allegiance and that he has like no empathy or that he doesn't want to have any consideration for what's going on in life, things that are important. But I think that Jesus was really painting a picture for us. I think that Jesus in his, in his divine nature was aware of the moment that he was in and it wasn't just about these three dudes. I think that in this moment, Jesus was keenly aware of the divine nature within him and he was aware that this moment was gonna be one that would speak to generations and generations of Christians to come. I think that even though we don't have evidence, I seem to think that Jesus in this moment said these things not out of a sense of being, uh, of being harsh, but that he knew there was truth that he needed to speak, and that from that moment that today we would be hearing this passage of Scripture and it would speak truth and life to us and convict us. He was painting a picture for us and setting the foundation for what is expected as his disciples I think he was making a very clear statement that our faith in Jesus is to be lived out loud and that it all starts with being all about Jesus. I play a lot of video games. A lot of video games. I love video games. And there's one particular type of video game that I like. It's called an RPG. RPG stands for role-playing game. And what you do in these games is it's a lot of story, a lot of quests, and a lot of collecting of items and gear and, and equipment and armor and weapons, and they get better and better and better as you go along. I love these games because they usually have very rich storylines where you get to be a part of the story. You get to be a part of the, the hero. You're usually the one who's going to save the world, okay? Now, I have a problem too, and you might be thinking, yeah, you've got a problem. You talk way too much about video games. But the reality for this situation is my problem is that when I get into games, I love them and I'll play them. And what happens in RPGs particularly, there's a main storyline that you, that you get linked into. So you go through the story and you, you get to find out who this character is and you're creating that character and you start playing and you get into these epic battles and it's incredible. But my problem is, is that when you get into an area of a game, 
oftentimes you'll walk into a town and there'll be a shopkeeper. And then there'll be a person over here and then there's a lady in a, in a store over here and there's a farm over here. And every single person you meet in those towns offers you what's called a side quest. Okay, so you have the main story, which in this particular game that I like called Skyrim, this was a game that I played uh, about a year or so ago, where you are a person who is trying to save the world from these dragons, okay? Sounds pretty incredible, right? But what happens is, is I walk into this town after the first big mission, and then there's a guy here who says, hey, someone has been eating all of my turnips, can you go find them? And then I find myself on this story now where I'm walking over to another farm, and I'm finding turnips for this guy. And then I bring them back. And then he opens up three more quests for me. And then this person over here is being chased and this person is being robbed. Before I know it, I end up with a list, a log full of quests that are just menial tasks that all you do is drive from one place to another. And none of it has anything to do with the main storyline. But what happens is is my problem is that I can't leave an area until all those quests are done. This is just a personal struggle that I have. And you're probably thinking, Jared, this sounds insane. What the heck are you talking about? Well, the reason I say that is because what happens to me is I get so distracted by all of these side quests that really aren't that important. And I forget that the main quest is waiting for me. Meanwhile, while I'm finding turnips, over here there's a dragon that is storming some castle and I'm not doing a thing about it. Okay, the problem is, is that for me is that I get so ingrained in all of these side quests over here that by the time I remember that I had a job to do in the first place, I get I got so tired of the game that I don't even finish it anymore. That happens to me all the time. There are so many games that I have played that I loved and had a blast playing, but got so distracted by all the other stuff that I never actually finished the story, the point of the entire mission of the game in the first place. And you're like, what the heck, Jared? Why are you talking about this? The reason is because this is what life is like for us. And I believe this is what Jesus is pointing to. He is saying there is a mission. There is a quest. There is a thing that we are all here for. When you find a relationship with Jesus and he saves us, it's not just, we, we, I think sometimes we talk about this idea of salvation like it was just, I was just saved from a bad day in traffic. No, no, no. Like we were saved from the fires of eternal separation from God. Like this is what's at stake for us, that we will spend eternity away from the God who created us because of our choices to disobey him. In whatever form you want to say that takes place, the Bible is clear that we need Jesus. We have to have Jesus to cover our sin and to give us new life and to give us freedom. And without it, we will spend eternity not enjoying the blessings of being with our creator. This is what's at stake. And so there are people all over our towns, all over our communities, in our families, who are destined for that path. And we have been called by the Most High God to be a part of the mission of helping those people be freed from darkness. That is the epic quest that each one of us has been called to. And yet we find ourselves sidetracked by finances and our bills and and going to the grocery store to get turnips, if you know what I mean, right? Like all of these side quests that we feel like are so important. And Jesus is saying there is one thing that is the most important thing above them all, and that is to follow me, to live on mission with me. And it's probably, this video game thing probably sounds pretty silly to you. I I understand if you've never played video games, but this is the language I speak because this is what I know, but I hope it makes sense to you. 
that our faith was designed to be lived with purpose. It was designed to be lived with drive. It was designed to be lived on mission in partnership with God. And as Christians, we are not to be sidetracked. We are not to be taken away from the main quest of our faith to side missions that distract us. So what we see in Luke chapter 9 in that passage, what Jesus is doing is he's calling attention. No, no, no. There is a main focus in our lives. And you'd be asking this question, like, but what am I supposed to do with the rest? Like, like if I don't pay attention to any of these other things, how am I going to live? How am I going to take care of myself? Is my life really supposed to be eat, sleep, breathe Jesus all day long? Let's talk about that briefly today. The, the foundation for where we're going, and we don't have a lot of time left today, and we've kind of covered a lot of ground and a lot of things today. But the big idea today, if you're taking notes, pull out those notebooks or on your phones, the big idea, the thing that really matters most in this message today is this is that living out loud for Jesus requires a willingness to let go of our priorities. Living out loud for Jesus requires a willingness to lay down our priorities. Let's dig into that passage and see what Jesus might actually be calling us to. So the first guy, he came up to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. The son of man, then Jesus says the thing about foxes and birds and they have homes. And then he says, but the son of man himself has no place to lay his head. What is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying that living out loud is all about Jesus and it's not about my personal space. Living out loud is all about Jesus. It's not about my personal space. It's not about comfort. Following Jesus oftentimes will take us to places that are uncomfortable, Places that are going to have, have us share our personal space with other people. And that sounds difficult. It sounds uncomfortable. Following Jesus might require us to move. It might require us to relocate to a new city. Or maybe even put our own preferences and creature comforts to the side so that we can be used to reach the lost, the hurting, and the broken. Just yesterday, my son asked me a profound question. We had our back-to-school bash yesterday. It was a great day, and it was, I think, a banner day for our church. Why? Not because we, we served all these people, but because it was the first time that we ever partnered with two other churches who were of different race and ethnicity than us. And it turned out to be this beautiful display where, where our community got to see three churches in, from this community working together. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter. We were serving together side by side, serving people who needed Jesus, and we gave them backpacks, and we loved them. But then yesterday afternoon, my son asked me in, in the car, he says, hey, Dad, what, why, why were we, why were we, what was with the outreach? I, we did it differently. We had it indoors this year because we were worried about the rain, so we kind of made some last-minute plans. And, and he says, I'm not used to, to doing our church events with other churches and with people who have different colored skin. And I said, and he, he, he wasn't saying it in a, in a way like he doesn't want to. He was just saying, he was, you know how kids are, right? They just draw attention to the obvious, okay? And my son says, they, I, I, they just look different than me, and, I, and I'm just not used to it. And I said, yeah. And I thought about it, how us making an intentional choice as a church to be involved with churches that are, of different denominations or different backgrounds or different ethnicities, different styles, that that brings with it certain changes, certain uncomfortabilities of what you're used to. When you hang out with people who are just not living the same lifestyle as you, you go on a missions trip, you go on vacation, you go to another country, you meet somebody at work who lives a different kind of lifestyle than you, a different religion, different faith, different ethnicity, it doesn't matter what it is, it's just, it's just different. And different oftentimes means I don't really know what to do here. 
But this is the essence of the gospel message, is that Jesus is the one who equalizes all things. He is the one who comes to us and he says, I don't have a home. What does that mean for you and I? He says, your personal space is not what this is about. We are called to reach the lost, and that means we go to where the lost are. That means we hold hands with people who are different than us. That means that, that when you operate in areas that people don't know anything about you, that you need to be the bigger person and lay down your hands, lay down your life, lay down your things. And this is what the gospel is. This is what Jesus was saying. And I understand what my son said because I'm keenly aware of it in my own sense. My nine-year-old boy spoke truth to me as the Lord spoke to me, as, he was, as my, my son was speaking in the car, that Jesus is calling each one of us, if we're going to follow him, to be, have a willingness to go and give of ourselves in places that are not necessarily going to feel comfortable to us. If it's all about Jesus, living out loud, because think about that. How many barriers, how many walls are up in front of us between other people knowing the gospel of Jesus because of the clothes that I wear? because of the types of uh, things that I have in my house. The street that I live on is a barrier to people who live on a different street. In order for me to help people know who Jesus is, I have to be willing to step out of my home. I have to step off of my street. I have to be willing to take pieces of clothing off and maybe wear something different so that I'm comfortable or they're comfortable around me. You understand what I'm saying? What Jesus is saying here? He's not saying you gotta like sell your house, but what he is saying is give your life. Give everything that you are to the mission. Living out loud is all about Jesus and not about my personal space. For some of you, God might call you to move to Lawrenceville because you are called to this church. For some of you, God might say to you, I want you to move to another country because there are people there who need to know Jesus. I don't know what God is saying to you, but let him speak to you today. He's calling all of us to go all in for the mission. The second guy who spoke Jesus pointed him out and said, come and follow me. And the guy said, well, let me go bury my father. I have, I have to bury my dad. And Jesus responded with this apparently seemingly cold phrase, we'll let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. What we're talking about here is that living out loud is all about Jesus, and it's not about my responsibilities, and it's not about my security. What do I mean by that? Well, when you dig into this, in Jewish culture, the responsibility of the oldest son was to bury his father. So it's possible that this man was the oldest boy. And he said, I will follow you, Jesus, but I got a responsibility to my dad. The law tells me that this is my job, that I have to bury my father because it's my responsibility as the oldest son. So he might have been saying, I have this thing that's important to do. Jesus, you certainly wouldn't want me to dishonor my family, right? I mean, Jesus affirmed that. Honor your parents, he said. But there's also another possibility that maybe there was money involved, perhaps Perhaps there was an inheritance to be had. And also Jewish law also says that in order to be rece receiving of that inheritance, you had to be near the father during the funeral, during that time, in order to receive the inheritance. So perhaps this man's thought process was, yes, Jesus, I will follow you, but I could certainly use some of that cash that's going to come to me that I've been waiting for for years. My dad's been on his deathbed for a few years, and, and he told me that the inheritance was mine. But it, Jesus, you certainly understand that, that, that if, if in order for me to get that money, i got to be there. I can't follow you. I'll meet you next week in the next town. And Jesus is saying to him, no, 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 no. What we're saying here is it's speaking both to responsibility and to security. And I don't think Jesus, and it's not like Jesus is saying, and Scripture is implicit that we shouldn't, 
have money or that we shouldn't take care of our parents. But like I said, I believe in his divine nature. He knew this was speaking through generations down the line to us today. And some of us in this room say we follow Jesus, but we put our family first. We put our responsibilities first. We even put our security first. And what Jesus is saying is that we get this backwards, that we oftentimes get it backwards, that we should, we talk about, I pay my bills first and then I'm generous. And Jesus says, no, follow me first. Do what I say first and let me take care of the rest. But Jesus is making it completely clear that he is to be the top priority above all other responsibilities and that we are to look to him to be our security. And that's hard. I never really understood this, but as I read this passage, I can understand how a man would leave his family to go to the mission field. And I don't fully understand that because I feel like the way I know God and the way that I have experienced Jesus, that, that he, he wants relationships to be mended and restored as well. And why wouldn't he just send the whole family? And maybe there's things that I don't see. But I guess the question really is, do I have the willingness that if God said, this is so important, I need you to do that thing. Leave your wife and your kids here for now. I don't know. But what Jesus is saying to me is that he is more important than following him. The mission that he has for us is more important than even the seemingly most important side quests of paying our bills and of, of our marriages and our relationships with our kids, all of which are affirmed by God in Scripture. But there are times, I think it's even if it's just, I think maybe he was testing this guy. Maybe he was just saying, okay, no, seriously, you can go ahead and do that. Come back next week. I wanted to see your answer. I don't know. But Jesus is demanding even our most important responsibilities and our security. Matthew six thirty three says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I think this is the key for us. Jesus said, let me take care of everything else. And this is hard for us because I live in the world where I have a bill in front of my face. I have an eviction notice sitting on my door. I have a school bill that I have to pay or a daycare bill I have to pay. My relationship with my wife, my wife says, if, if you leave on a Sunday morning one more time, we're done. But I need to go to church. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but all the time, oftentimes, there are so many things in our way, in our lives, that are, that are side quests, that are calling, so important. And Jesus is saying, would you seek me first? Put me first, and I promise you, according to this passage, Matthew 6, he will give you everything you need. Jesus is asking us to put him first, to trust him in everything. If we hear him clearly speak to us about something, we need to be obedient to that thing, and he promises to take care of us. Living out loud is all about Jesus and not about my personal space. Living out loud is all about Jesus and not about my responsibilities or my security. And finally, living out loud is all about Jesus and not even about my relationships or my family. So Jesus talks to this man and he says, I'll follow you. Let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, anybody who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. This is a really hard one to hear because if you're like me, you would do anything for your family, anything. I'll, I'll leave, I'll quit my job right down for my family. I will do anything. But think about what I just said. If my kid was struggling and something happened, I got a phone call, and my boss said to me, Jared, if you walk out that door, you're done here. It's not even a question, is it? 
I'm out the door, right? How many parents would say the same thing? You don't have to put your hand up if you want. Exactly. But we don't say the same thing about our faith. If there is something so critical, if the Lord said, this is important, I'm calling you to do this, would we do the same? Think about that. Jesus is making it emphatically clear that nothing is more important in your life than the state of your relationship with him. Why? Why Why is this so important? It's because everything stems from the source of that relationship. Everything in our life, if we put our attention to Jesus, he promises that all the other things fall into place. There will be time for them. But what happens when you find, any of you, put this to the test, any of you who don't spend time in worship, any of you who don't spend time outside of Sundays, and maybe even not even coming to church that often, and you feel like my relationship with God is dry. I feel like I've got all these problems everywhere. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is why I can stand in front of you today and tell you that if your relationship with Jesus is vibrant, then the rest of your life will follow suit. Now, there are, of course, variables that come into play, and sometimes things don't work the way that we want them to, but in general, we'll be trending upward. That is the, that's what we call the blessed life here. That is the idea of when you are living in alignment with the way God designed your life to be lived, when you're living under his priorities, when you're aligning yourself with him and what he's asking and what he's calling you to, his blessing and favor flows into that. I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it. I see it in my own life. But what happens when I step outside of it? Things begin to fall apart. I begin doing things out of my own strength, out of my own ability. And now I don't have the blessing, the favor of God on my life. And suddenly my kids aren't doing well in school anymore. And my bills are piling up and my, I'm bickering with my wife and I'm, I'm having trouble at work. All of those things happen because I'm operating out of my own sinful nature. I'm operating out of who I am and not out of Christ living within me. Do you understand? That's why this is so critically important. How can Jesus say that everything stems from a vibrant relationship with him? It's because he says you can do nothing apart from me. You can bear no good fruit, lasting fruit, without a connection to the vine. So we've been given one job. We're going to wrap up with this, to make everything in our lives all about Jesus. That means, that means making our personal space available for Jesus to, to do with it as he would, to let our responsibilities and our security and the things that we do have hand, hands on. Jesus has asked us to be good stewards but never to take the place of him in our lives. He's asked us to place Jesus into our relationships and into our family, to make everything in our life about Christ first and then to move forward with him. And I would say that sounds like a whole lot to ask, probably a lot, in fact, probably too much. Jesus, I'm sorry, I like you a lot, but I'm not, I'm not comfortable giving you full control over my finances. I'm not, I'm not comfortable allowing you to tell me where I need to live or how, where I should buy a house or how much I should be involved in a church or in, in ministry or what you should do with my life. And the Bible actually says that when Jesus talked like this, that many times people left him. They loved the miracles. They loved the party. They loved the celebration. They loved the good things. But when Jesus gets real, when he says, this is what it costs to follow me, the Bible says that many of his disciples left him. But when we focus on living out loud, and I want you to understand this, 
when we focus on living out loud and making our lives all about Jesus, he promises to take care of everything else. In fact, he actually blesses it. He'll bless our personal space. He'll bless our responsibilities. He'll bless us securely. He'll bless our family and our relationships. He'll bless everything else. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is a reaping and sowing and sowing and reaping. This is what scripture teaches, aligning yourself with God's purposes and design for your life. His favor goes before you. I would encourage you today to take the leap of faith. This is all about faith. We, we sang about it this morning. All the things we need, all the things we want, all the the desperate breakthroughs we're praying for that we want in our lives, all of it requires a step of faith to him saying, God, I can't do it myself, but I'm believing that you can do it. And you step out in faith. So I encourage you today to take that leap of faith, to let go of your own priorities and to allow God to do the heavy lifting for you. In fact, we'll finish with this scripture, Ephesians chapter three, and I love this. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work at power at work in us. So he's saying that, that all of this that's inside of us, that God is living inside of us, that his power is at work inside of us, is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Other passages say infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. I can imagine a lot. I can think of a whole lot of things. And I have heard incredible stories about how, how when, when, when people have put God first, that he takes care of that situation, doesn't just give barely enough, but that he actually takes it and does something abundantly more. Mary just said this morning during our giving moment that she needed a certain amount of money and the Lord provided double the amount that was needed. And that doesn't always happen, but this is the scripture at work. Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do more than we could ever amass ever ask or imagine, infinitely more, abundantly more. So what Jesus is saying here is that it sounds on his face. When people look at Jesus and they don't have a relationship with him, it sounds like he's saying, I am a taskmaster. You do what I say and don't ask questions. But what Jesus is really saying is if you would just take the leap of faith, trust my words, that my words are true. Put them into practice. Take the leap of faith and work out loud with your money, with your time, with your effort, with your words, with your life, with your job, with your relationships. And I promise you, that I will take care of all of it. You will never lack. The Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And I can tell you in my 35 years of existence, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. God always takes care of his people. Would you close your eyes with me as we finish today? What could happen if we became a people who lived our faith out loud? and put Jesus first in every aspect of our lives. Imagine the adventure that we would live if we gave all of our priorities to God and allowed him to dictate our decisions. You see, God is a good God and he loves us. And he chose to include us in the plan to save the world. Let's live out loud and make our lives all about Jesus. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Jesus, this is, these are hard words from you. But I think if we dig deep enough, what we really see is not a taskmaster, but a God who says, give me everything and I promise I'll give you everything. 
take care of you. I will provide for you. And what I give will be so much more, so much better, so much more valuable. The inherent quality of the things that I will give to you are far beyond what you could ever create for yourself. The next two weeks are really going to be about how do we live this out? What does it look like to live out loud? And I want to be clear with you. We're not trying to say that any person has to follow a single model. We're going to find out how can I personally, how can you uniquely live out loud for Jesus in the way that God has created you to be? But it starts here. It starts right now. It starts with this space where we say, okay, in order for me to be the man or the woman that God has called me to be, in order to live on mission, to start and focus on the main quest and that is Jesus so God we open our hearts to you now we we say I want that I'm not sure how good at it I'll be I don't know how distracted I'm going to get but I'm just going to keep my eyes on you I want to follow you I want to come after you I want to know you I want to experience you I want to worship you I want to make my life be revolving the priorities around you I want to take less time with TV and more time reading your word I want to take less time leading, listening to music in the car and instead worshiping with music God I want to take more time serving at church I want to give more of my money I want to drink less coffee and I want to, I want to give more to the church so that more people can know Jesus. This is not about money. This is not about time. This is about our heart. This is about being willing to say, I am all in for you, Jesus. I'm all in. We will follow you. We thank you for how you've spoken to us, how you challenge us, how you love us. And we can walk out of here saying, wow, I have met the living God. Would you be with us as we move forward this week, as we go into our businesses and our work and our lives, our education and raising our kids and all the things that we do. Be with us. I'm going to close with this. The Bible says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. We hold onto that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.